FMX Network Production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast with Ray Ferraro. Ray Ferraro played 18 years in the NHL, long time, and now, lucky you, he, uh, he, he gives you his hockey knowledge each and every week on the Pulp Hockey Podcast. Get it on Stitcher, get it on iTunes, get it on any podcatcher you have, as well as, of course, pulphockey.com. And uh, subscribe, leave us a review, um, tell us what you want, uh, follow us at Twitter, at Pulp Hockey, and uh, we appreciate it. And uh, it's, a, it's a great time uh, each and every week talking about the game and lots of, lots of things to talk about. Also, to two under the best men's underwear out there, the number two UNDR.com. Uh, use the code Ferraro20 to save when you're checking out. A lot of NHLers run this underwear, and uh, so check it out, please. We, we, would, we would appreciate it. Use the code as well. All right, on the line from Vancouver, Ray Ferraro. What's up, Ray? Uh, snow is up here. <laughs> I heard. Vancouver. We, uh, we don't get much of this, and we've had, we, like, we've had winter which mm-hmm. is, you know, may not sound like much to people that live in the East or, but like people don't have snow tires. People don't, and you can say, well, go get them, but why would you get them? I've been here since 2002. Mm-hmm. And unless you're a skier, you know, and you go yep. up to Whistler or something, it's snowed like really snowed twice since I've been here. Yeah. Like two years. Right. So if you've got snow tires, They've been good for the last 17 years. <laughs> they're dry rotted already. Yeah, I mean, like, they're, they're not even tires anymore. Right. They've been recycled into something. So right. um, I've shoveled the driveway more in the last uh, 72 hours than I have since 2002. Yeah, I mean, it, where I grew up in Winnipeg, I mean, people in October, when the snow falls, they go and they put four uh, rims with tire, snow tires attached to their cars, yep. the black ones, you know, they're all black. And, um, yeah. And that's it. That's what they drive until April. That's just what you do. Yeah, you just – and, you know, conversely, here in Vancouver, like when people come here, they usually complain and bitch about the rain. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're from Vancouver, you have a good rain jacket, you got boots when you step in a puddle, and you have a great umbrella. Yeah. yeah. It's like you, <laughs> wherever you are, that's how you live. And so we're not quite prepared for this. Oh, jeez. And uh, it is uh, – um, it is challenging to to say the least. I will say this: we did so. We live off, you know, like the main roads are all plowed yeah. and they're, you know, look like regular roads. And um, any side streets, um, that's a bit hit and miss. So we we're pretty happy. We got our street plowed last night. So that was the first time in three days. <laughs> Jeez, it's like you know, it just you kind of like slide around until you get to the main road, and then right. you're, then you're out. Yeah. Uh, and I imagine, yeah, people are just freaking out for sure. Um, you know who else is freaking out is Atlanta Falcons fans. Let's talk about the Super Bowl for a second uh, before we get into the hardcore hockey. But, uh, uh, well, I'm ha- I'm happy because I bet a substantial amount of money on the Pats, and I was ready to rip that ticket up. So I won uh, on that. I-, I lost on some other prop bets and everything else. So I-, I think overall I came away all right. But it did not look good for a while. Um, I- I- you're a Red Sox guy, but are you a Patriots guy too or no? Yeah, well, of the three teams in in Boston and you know in New England, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm a Bruins guy. When I this is from a kid, yeah. Bruins, Red Sox, Patriots. So I I just I got infatuated with the city of Boston through Bobby Orr. Okay, and then in 1975, um, Jim Rice and Fred Lynn uh, came to the Red Sox, and I've been a lifelong Red Sox fan. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of like morphing through with Sam Cunningham and Steve Grogan, I was a Patriots guy. And so, but not to the same level. Yeah, Steve Grogan, jeez, yeah, there's a name. Yeah, remember he had that ginormous neck guard? (laughs) Right, yeah, he did. And, uh, but, so the Patriots, um, like, I'm just, I, I, I have so much 
admiration for the way they get the job done. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I forget the linebacker's name this year that wanted um, Vaughn Miller money. Oh, uh, Jamie Collins. Yeah, so they traded yeah. him for a third-round pick. They're like, we'll get somebody else. Yeah. And then somebody else comes in, and they win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Remember when Wes Welker was just like, you had to have him. Yeah. They couldn't lose him. Mm-hmm. Except then they got Elman and they got Amendola, and, well, they win the Super Bowl again. Yep. Like, I'm just, I'm, I, I guess I'm amazed at how whatever their system is, because I don't, you know, I know football, I love it, I watch it, but, I mean, I couldn't tell you what exactly to the detail I'm watching. But mm-hmm. whatever they do, they seem to be able to get people to do what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And then they've got, I don't think there's any question, you've got the greatest quarterback of all time standing back there pitching strikes. Mm-hmm. And, t- and so I, Who takes less well, money, by the night, way. Steve, yeah. last night I went, it, it, was, it was 28 to 9, and we're like, okay, this is over, yeah. and it's boring. And there was like, I guess just inside the, the start of the fourth quarter. And because of all the snow, I said, well, I'm going to go shovel the driveway. And so I don't know how much longer my 10-year-old sticks his head out the door. He's like, hey, Dad, it's 28-20. Yeah. I'm like, well, how did that happen? <laughs> He's like, I don't know. So I came in and watched. That's where I picked it up when it was 28-20 in the – and the Pats had just got the ball. I didn't see Jones's catch oh, until this morning. Yeah, phenomenal. I didn't see the, um, you know, the sack or yeah, the sack, and then the, um, you know, the penalty that went that took him out of field goal range. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't see that stuff until this morning, and I was like, whoa, that's what a lot of stuff tr- going on trying to trying to summarize that game. Well, yeah, the Falcons needed just a couple of runs. It would have been about a 40-yarder to put them up by 11. And then... then okay, just... but, but here's... Okay, so here's this. I'm, I'm listening this morning, and Tim Hasselback's on uh, with Mike and Mike on ESPN, and mm-hmm. you know, former NFL quarterback, you know, yep. like knows what he's talking yep. about. Yep. And he said, if you criticize that play hard, he goes, and I could see why you would... What about when they were they had the ball at the ten yard line to start that drive, and they went play action and threw and completed a thirty yard pass? Yeah, he's like they play that way. Yeah, and it got them to this point. Yeah, they pushed. Push, yeah, sure, right, they right. could have. Yeah, they could have run it or could have done anything. Right. And kicked the field goal, but he goes, that's just that's how they've been successful. Yeah. I mean, it. I don't know. I mean, you can pick it apart like hell, but. They were up by 19 going into the fourth yeah. quarter. They were up by 25 like, at one point. Right, 25 I think yeah. was the biggest one. So 10 was the record, right, for comebacks. Something like that. Was, in, the, in the Super Bowl. Yeah. It was 10. <laughs> and they still do it. Yeah. Just just amazing stuff. Yeah. Um, it was. It was great. It was great theater all, all the way around. And then I guess if – if you're the Falcons and the, the Pats tie you on a two point two two point conversions, right? And, uh, and so the last four scores, they didn't kick an extra point. No, no, <laughs> yeah, they missed it, and then two two points, and then yeah, um, but like that's crazy. It was it was funny though. You just got a sense in overtime. Pats won the toss, and the Falcons were just like I, I think they were just stunned, just stunned because you know New England hadn't been that good, you know. The other drives to to tie the game, there's been some penalties that that helped New England and and kind of scrapped it out. But they got that ball in overtime, and it was just, see you later. We're going down the field. Over. Yeah. Yeah. How about the catch? You know, they lose on the David Tyree catch, Yeah. you know, a few years ago. That incredible catch from the Giants one. Right. And then the the play yesterday that is deflected, comes down, hits the receiver's or hits the back's leg. To stay off the ground, yeah, and then I, I guess it was Edelman, right? I think yeah, it was and, Edelman. Yep. Yeah, he kept, he gets his hands on it, but it pops out of his hands, and he catches it again. Yeah, like like not a chance. No, <laughs> that happens on another day. And but it all whatever the the karma and stuff is, it fit the Patriots' way. It's somebody pointed out to me on uh, on Twitter. Actually, it was Gord Miller. He said. Uh, as soon as the Falcon, or as soon as Fox showed that Thrasher's picture, <laughs> yeah. they were finished. They were done. Right. Yeah, I thought about that. I saw that, too. They yeah, Gord Miller, our guest, last week on the show. That was it. Once they compared the, the Atlanta's sort of dubious history. And I mean, remember the Braves. The Braves were a powerhouse, and they got one, which is great. You know, one World Series win. But 
They, they won sh- the division 11 times. Yeah, they should have had way more than one. Um, so, yeah, the, the city's a little bit cursed that way. And, and, and the, yeah, uh, you throw the T-bombs up there, you don't have a chance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. It's over. I think that was Jeff Audgers in the photo, too. I wasn't sure. It might have been Jeff Audgers. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, just, just, but, but I mean, what a, I mean, the first half, it, could Atlanta have played any more perfectly? No, I was ready to rip up my tickets and everything. I yeah, well, I, I just, I saw something today in Florida. I uh, forget the area, um, Broward County, maybe the the uh, the picture on the front page of the mm-hmm. paper is um, the defensive back running down the sidelines for the Falcons. He's already picked it. He's on his yep. way to six. And it said, you know, something about, you know, tough way to lose or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Um, <laughs> There's the early edition. When you talk about Belichick and you talk about Brady taking less money, you know, than, than you know, I think he was a 70th highest paid player this year or something. Um, it, it, and, and equating that to the NHL, for years, it was almost the New Jersey Devil way. Martin Brodeur uh, uh, didn't take a lot of, as much money as he could have. He sort there was an artificial salary cap where Lou Lamarillo said you're not making more than Marty, and you know Scott Niedermeyer, great player, uh, comes up and it's just like, yep, yeah, see you later. Um, for years, the Devils were sort of the Patriots. Uh, do you agree? Yeah, I, I would buy that. Yeah. But but you know, here's the thing about so the Devils had that internal cap underneath Marty. Mm-hmm. The Bruins had it under Ray Bork. Oh, did they? Yeah, same thing. I don't. Okay. Yeah, well. Yeah. Except they never won. Right, so right, right. It's only a good idea if you win. But the <laughs> the the comparison to the Devils though of the, of the '90s, I think, is is really pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, they were. I, I won't say they were nameless, faceless, because you know yeah. they had Hall of Famers, just like the Patriots have Hall of Famers. But it was the same sort of deal that you know they had a. They had a need, and they would go get a player, mm-hmm. and he would fill the need in New Jersey better than he could anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, to a certain extent, it's the the culture that you build, and yet your linchpins are are guys that are rock solid for your team. So in New Jersey, it was Brodeur, Danico, um, Niedermeyer, Stevens. You know, it was yeah. it was from the back end, yep. their strength. And then you got up front, and there was Patrick Eliash, who I think is one of the most underrated players um, of the last 15 years because he was in New Jersey. Yep. You, know, yep. you know, nobody talked about him. Nobody realized, I don't think, or not many people realize in the general public how, how good a player he was, how guys had their best years playing with Patrick Eliash. And, he would be one of those guys that you could signal would be like of the Patriot way. Yeah. Don't forget the Patriots did this too without Gronkowski. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, that guy is a menace mm-hmm. to everybody that he plays against. And there he is. He's sitting there in a pair of sweats on the sidelines <laughs> and they still win. Yeah. It's uh, it's nuts. Hey, let, here's a, here's a neat argument that you could always get into it with your buddies, a little be- a bench racing, uh, for lack of a better term. That's my moto side coming out. But which sport? Well, I think it's football. The sport that out of the big four where managers matter most, coaches, managers, uh, uh, NFL, NBA, and MLB, and, of course, the NHL, it's got to be football. That if you have the right man running your ship, like a Belichick, or even Andy Reid, who seems to you know have success. He doesn't hasn't won the ultimate thing, but he's had success. That's what matters the most. And I would argue, Ray, that NHL is the least. What do you think? Um, I, I would say football, baseball, basketball, hockey. Right, that's my order too. Yeah. You know, because baseball, of course, like look at the World Series this year. You know, the the, the Indians get there and. For the most part, I mean, Francona is, is pulling strings like crazy <laughs> right. with that bullpen. Yep. Like that's, you know, in a, you know, you can say, oh, they had Andrew Miller. And, and of course, the guy is, I, you know, I mean, yeah. I was nervous sitting on my couch when he was pitching. <laughs> like I thought it was too close to me. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, in and out, you know, when a guy in in the sixth, out in the seventh, the next game they use him in the fourth. Yep. You know, like, so I think baseball would be second. But the, the details... Uh, and the um, 
the, the you know, you've got a week between games, the importance that coaches can have on, on football, I think is, is unparalleled. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I mean, I, I was explaining to Riley again, my 10 year old, you know, he said, well, what's that thing on Brady's wrist? And I said, that's every play. <laughs> And so, again, Hasselback was talking this morning about they were asked, you know, would they remind him, would Kyle Shanahan remind Matt Ryan, don't take a sack here? He said, well, in theory, yes, but the play clock closes with 15 seconds left, the communication Mm -hmm. with the coach to the quarterback. And those plays are so wordy. And so he went through what a play call sounds like yeah. in your headset. Right. And then he said, it's pretty hard to say at the end of that, oh, and by the way, don't take a sack. Yeah, exactly. He said, you might not have time. Mm-hmm. But just think of all the detail that goes from the head coach to his coordinators and then the coordinators, of course, that are making the calls on the go, mm-hmm. and they got to get the play in. Oh, I, I, I totally agree. Yeah. And I often think that – you know, playing a, such a reactionary sport as I did, um, how how crazy it would be to get dropped into the middle of a football game yeah. and try, not play it, because I couldn't play it, but to follow along. Right, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, I know you only have to know your stuff first and then maybe, you know, a little bit of the other stuff, but mm-hmm. holy smokes, like, I, I don't, I mean, that's, I just, uh, you know, we used to run up eight, you know, run up for three seconds and turn left, and then we'll try and throw the ball within twenty right. feet of you. Yeah, exactly, right. exactly. Yeah, that was that was the big plan when you when you yeah when you played in the fields. <laughs> How far can you throw it? Right to that pile of leaves, I think. Right, right, exactly. And and is it a CFL ball or an NFL ball? Don't forget. Oh, it's got to be an NFL ball. The CFL ball is too round. <laughs> it was it barely fit in your hand. When you're a kid, like, you needed both hands to throw that thing. I know. It's like like a shot put. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, interesting game for sure. Uh, Deion Lewis cost me some money. Uh, every expert I listen to, guys like you, Ray, but the football side, told me they're gonna they're gonna throw to Deion Lewis. They're gonna use him out of the backfield. You know, throw to him like a you know. And everyone said just that's gonna be the plan. And he got two catches, one drop on the night. So thanks everybody. But yeah, do you think how many guys had the had the pass running back had white. Yeah, I know, huh? No, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, he had the ball in his hands forever. It seemed like every se- every second play was white. <laughs> um, all right, let's get into some hockey talk. Um, so, we talked about Ken Hitchcock a couple shows ago, and I said, "Well, hey, he's going to retire." And you're like, "Oh no, no, I don't think you don't think Hitch is going to retire." Well, he uh, he's got to get his plans figured out soon because he got canned by St. Louis. Mike Yo, who was always going to take up take over next year, is, is in. Um, I, I mean, Ray, you've kind of talked on this show. It was a bit of a flawed plan from the start, wasn't it? I don't know how it could work or could have worked. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess, you know, everything could have gone really smoothly, but the, the Blues were a transitional team this year anyway. Right? There was, with no Bacchus and Brower and Ott and Elliott, who were all let go for various reasons, most of them cap reasons, um, the team was going to be different. Now you have a coach who is on a one-year contract who they say publicly, okay, this is going to be the end. You know, this is going yeah. to be my last year. Yeah. And then I say to you, like you're Ken Hitchcock, and I say, okay, work with this guy this year. He's going to take your job this year. This is going to be great. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, how yeah. could that work? Because the coaches know – the players know there's always a level of uncomfort of, of that things would be a little bit uncomfortable mm-hmm. around that, and it's not that they don't know who to listen to. They know to listen to Hitch. He's the head guy, and Yo is a, you know, I, I know him just a little bit, mm-hmm. but he wouldn't be the type to try to undermine or to try and get his ideas in so he would have a better chance or start next year. Mm-hmm. That's just not the way he would work. However. You never you, I mean, if you and I had, if we read the same book, which would be staggering, <laughs> but if we read the same book and then recite a line out of the book or a paragraph, yeah. it wouldn't be the same. And so, how could the coaches all talk the same? I, I just, 
it to me it was it was doomed to be a failure um, because of the combination of the two coaches, but because they were a transitional team. If they weren't, if they were last year's team, mm-hmm. I think they could have done this. Just because Even of the veterans, it would be a little bit awkward. Because but, of the vets, like the guys holding it together. Yeah, and and they'd been there so long, and they were a better team right. than they are this year. Yeah. You know, and, and then you look. You know, Bacchus is in Boston, and he's really not done very well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly by his standards. Yeah. I think he's he's got his lowest point total after fifty games since like '08. Um, David ba- or uh, Troy Browers had a real difficult time. Uh, in Calgary, he's just slowly starting to get going now. Ott hasn't made much of an impact in Detroit, mm-hmm. and Elliott's had a tough time. Like maybe they were all better in St. Louis, right? And maybe St. Louis was better with them there, but that's just not the nature of the way the game goes. Yeah, well, it's interesting because uh, you, for all the reasons you said, it, it, it wasn't a great arrangement. But also, like Hitch said, "Hey, I'm done. I'm done." He t- he said that, and then I was hearing through different media people, including yourself, like, oh, no, Hitch is going to keep coaching. So a little bit fa- a little bit of this dysfunction, and maybe it would have been dysfunction anyways, no matter what, but probably a little bit falls on Hitch himself for probably putting out some mixed messages to his friends in the media about not being done. Well, I was told um, just this week that Hitch didn't, like even though he said it was his last year, he's yeah. always wanted to coach. You know he's not ready to yeah. to quite walk away yet, yeah. but there but there so now, so to your point of mixed messaging, you know maybe he said that to get along, you know to go along in St. Louis and hope that things could be okay this year. Right, right. But it's, you know right away you know Ken's name because he's of the stature that he is uh, gets popped up a lot and you know could he go to Vegas could he. Could he be a candidate with the Islanders if they decide that Doug Waite's not the long-term answer? Could, he, mm-hmm. could other teams that don't have coaching vacancies think that Hitch could be um, a head coach? Could Florida go to that, go to, go to Hitch? Well, he's 65. Yeah. You know, so you, yeah. you have to take into consideration how much energy does he have? Because I don't know the answer. Yeah. But – I, I know I at 52, I got less energy than I did at 45. Right, right. And I assume I'm not going to get more <laughs> as I go along here. Yeah. I don't think so. You know, so. that doesn't diminish what Hitch is as a coach. It's just kind of the way it is. Mm-hmm. And so whomever's talking to him, and, and I can't imagine people won't talk to him, that's one thing that they'll have to gauge. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Robbie Fabry out for the year, ACL. And, well, that's, a, that's a big loss for yeah. him. He's had an up-and-down year, but he's a really – I really like him. He's a really good player. Um, uh, and, and they're going to miss him a lot. They called up Kenny Agostino, who is a Flames draft choice. They signed him in the preseason – or signed him in the summer, rather. And he was leading the American League in scoring. He's a, I would characterize him as a power play guy. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know exactly how – how he'll do, you know, as they try and wallpaper over a, a really big loss. Yeah, absolutely. Have you taken a look at the standings on the in in, in on the east side uh, lately? Right, yeah. it is amazing. It is amazing. Tampa is last with fifty two, and uh, the Leafs are one point out of the wild card or two points out of the, one point out of the wild card with fifty seven. But um, in that, it's just insane. It's nuts. Well, I think we're going to need another. Another week or so, mm-hmm. ten days maybe, till these games all even up. You know, there, there's you know Boston sits in third place in the Atlantic. They've played 55 games, yeah, and the Islanders have played 50. Right. You know, that's a gigantic spread. It's usually a game or two, and and I believe by the end of this month, everybody's done with their bye week. Yep. And so, um, you know, the games will, you know, right around game 56 or seven, everything will start to tighten up, and you'll. You know, you'll be really into the stretch run, but I don't, I don't think things are gonna, are gonna spread. You know, I, I mean, maybe a few teams right. are, are gonna fall away, but there's a, you know, as I'm looking at the standings here in the East. So, if you take, if you assume Toronto will get one point in their next five games, right? Which they're going to. Yes. They will pass Boston. That means the the six teams that are in 
will all have plus goal differentials. Like the top three mm-hmm. in the yeah. in the Metro, the top three in the Atlantic, they'll all be plus goal differentials. The Rangers have the first wild card, and they're pretty much a lock. They're locked. They yeah. have a plus goal differential. Everybody else is in the negative. Everybody else, and I think that is something to to really keep our eye on. I mean, the um, you know the Flyers sit in that second wild card spot, but. They've been all over the map, and, you know, they get good goaltending from Mason and then bad goaltending. Now Neuvers in, he's played three really good games. Uh, They're trying to play a more defensive style um, because of the number of goals that they give up. Mm -hmm. But, you know, can that that propel them in? And so you're going to have Boston and Philly and Toronto and Florida, Carolina, probably down to the Islanders, I think, and you're – you know, I, I, almost anybody, I guess. But yeah. you start to get into seven points and climbing five teams like Buffalo. That 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 to me is just not possible. Then you get the three point games going on by other guys, so it's tough. Yeah, I, I think you end up spinning your wheels, Steve, a lot. Right. You know, like you you win three and then you lose, and really you've only gained a point or two, mm-hmm. and you just you run out of racetrack. I I look at if. You know, if the second wild card, which is 59 right now for Philadelphia, once you get to 54, I, I because there's five teams between 54 yeah. and 59, I, I think that's about it. Yeah. Which leads me into the next question about the trade deadline coming up. The trade deadline is uh, March 1st, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's March 1st. You got you have to cover this? You have to go there and cover it again? Always. <laughs> <laughs> 12 hours, 14 hours of sitting around? <laughs> well, I, I don't think it's going to be as dreary as people think. Okay. Um, and and the reason I don't is there are, you know, I mean, we're still three weeks away from that. Yeah. So there's going to be a couple more teams that are going to separate themselves out. And if you're Tampa, for example, say you get to six points out in in that time frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, five points, say, in that time frame. You're still going to have to jump over four or five teams. So to get there, all of those teams have to lose, plus you have to win. Are they really going to go and let Ben Bishop leave for nothing? Are they going to let Brian Boyle leave for nothing? I, I, I don't know. My gut tells me they won't. They'll look at it as, okay, we're, you know, if we trade Bishop, we still have Vasilevsky. And maybe we can start jumpstart mm-hmm. into next year. And so I, I think there's going to be a few more of those. I mean, you get into the West, and you know, by the time three weeks are up, Vancouver's going to be uh, through their six-game road trip. Mm-hmm. They've got six road wins. Yeah, it's not like they're not right, going right. to come back from this road trip with ten wins. You know, like they're not going to win four out of six. If if they do, it would be remarkable. Mm-hmm. So. Vancouver and Dallas and Arizona and Colorado. There's four more teams. You're gonna have you're gonna have eight or ten teams. I think that'll be aggressively looking, you know, to try and try and parlay some of their assets for more assets. Is Shattenkirk from St. Louis? Speaking of St. Louis, is he is he the number one guy on the market? It looks like Iggy's gonna go. Now he doesn't have a whole lot left, but you know he'd be a nice. Oh, Shattenkirk fit. would be the. Yeah, would be the prize for sure. Um, Does he get the, traded? Do you think? Or uh, I don't. I don't think there's any way Shattenkirk's in St. Louis March second. Okay, so he'd be the number one guy. Yeah, and and the question will be, you know, can the new team and the Blues work out a contract before the trade? Because if they are able to do that, then Shattenkirk ends up um, with. Or he he ends up with a much bigger return. Yeah, of course, right. For St. Louis, so yeah. if St. Louis can agree to a contract with him, that the other team, whoever the acquiring team is palatable with, mm-hmm. then that changes the focus. Because if not, then they trade him to a rental, no matter where it is, and they get their best price. And then Shattenkirk can only get seven years in a contract. You can only sign for eight years if you re-sign with the team. With you're the original with. team, right? I mean, does that so, does that matter to these guys though? Seven or eight? I always know that rule came in and everything else, but I always thought like, does that really going to make a seven difference? Seven or eight million dollars? Yeah, but I mean, at that point, you know, you right. know I, I think it, okay. I think it all matters. Okay, all right. You know, I mean, I think it all matters. I mean, what what the final decision 
is going to be, like some will wash itself out, right? Like what if Shattenkirk's from the Northeast? Say the yeah. Rangers and St. Louis can work out a deal. Which is what people have talked about, right? A little well, bit. Rangers, yeah. Boston, right. you know, possibly New Jersey. But let, let's just, let's say any of those teams, because mm-hmm. I don't want to make it sound like I know something, because I don't. <laughs> Um, So let's say they can work out a deal, um, and it can be eight years. He's going to the team he wants to, and he gets an extra year. And he gets a year, yeah. Or if he goes to, I don't know, pick somebody else, and he doesn't want to resign there, then he can only sign for seven. Yep. And then the other danger is you get into the summer – and what if the market goes flat? Look what happened to these baseball players this summer. Yeah. You know, like all, or this winter, rather. All of these guys that have great power numbers and they thought they were going to hit it big, and then all of a sudden they're all on three years and two year deals. Yeah. I mean, Chris Carter, the, the NL home run leader, has nothing. Yeah. Right. Well, Encarnacion and Batista in Toronto. Right. 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 Like they, it looked like they were five years, you know, 120 yeah. million. Right. And, and, and the cap is supposed to happen. Be, cap, the NHL cap, the, I believe that Board of Governors meeting, they were told it was going to be flat next year. Right. So, so that, yeah. this is not, I mean, these are not great times for free agency, for sure. Yep. Now, the Shattenkirk, uh, so he'll be number one, uh, and you think there's no way that Tampa holds on to Bishop either, right? You sound like you well, said. Well, I, I, I mean, depending what happens in the next two weeks, right. but. It would seem odd to me. They've got Vasilevsky signed for next year at a real friendly cap number. Mm-hmm. Um, it would seem odd to me to let Bishop go for nothing. If, uh, because they're not a Stanley mm-hmm. Cup contender right now. But if they can crawl their way back closer, they're going to get Stamkos back. You know, that's a yeah. pretty good trade acquisition. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that, Steve Eiserman will have to make that determination as they get close to the deadline. But, I mean, as they sit now, um, you know, say they, say they squeeze it up a little bit, um, I, I just – it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, Steve, they're seven points back of Philadelphia right. for the wild card, right? They're six back of, of Boston. And even if Toronto passes them, Tampa's played three, three games more than Toronto. You yeah. know, like it, it yeah. just, the numbers just – they just don't add up very favorably for Tampa. And uh, that leads into our next question. We, uh, I talked about Iggy and Greg in Chicago said, uh, with the trade deadline now in the home stretch, what are the most likely destinations for the legendary Jerome McGinley? Do you see a fit anywhere for, I mean, obviously a, a team that's going for a cup, a, a top running team. Do you see room for him in, in, in any, like Washington or, or, well, not Washington. Um, I look at Washington's lineup, and I'm like, man, they don't. Why change? If I were them, I wouldn't <laughs> touch anything. Right, right. Um, the the one thing with Iggy is, you know, the last couple of years, uh, you know, it's pretty obvious. Like getting around the ice is is the biggest issue, um, aside from your birth certificate. And don't let anybody tell you that doesn't matter because after a while, it does. Mm-hmm. I, I view Iggy as a as a third line guy and a power play specialist. Now. Can Chicago fit him in? Maybe. What about L.A.? Mm-hmm. Like, those are the types of teams I would think. Maybe San Jose, deeper in their lineup. Would Anaheim take a shot? Yeah. Anaheim, I think, will add a winger. But can Iggy be a top-line winger or a top-two-line winger? I, I yeah. really have my doubts. But I, I think a, a really good team, like a good team, will be the team that will acquire him, not a team that you go, oh, I think they're just kind of going to get in. I think it'll be a good team, uh, and I think he'll be in a role that will be, you know, in, in the 10 to 10 to 13-minute range mm-hmm. and and a power play guy. He can, you know, he can still shoot the puck, that's for sure. Right. Um, uh, what about Matthew Shane? He said he'd be open for a trade. Do you see him moving? Do you see that happening? I, I don't. No. Um, I think that's more of a summer deal because mm-hmm. it's a bigger right. deal. You, you have to remember, if you know, like I, I know his name gets mentioned in Montreal and among other places, but is Montreal really going to carve apart a their team? Right. So, you know, that's, that's a, they want a young defenseman, so that would be Beaulieu. Mm-hmm. They want a first-round pick. 
And maybe in this year's draft, you don't worry about it too much. And then they want a top-end prospect. Montreal probably can look around and do somewhat similar, like not the same because mm-hmm. Duchesne's a hell of a player, but for way less cost. Right. And that, that's been Bergevin's track record for sure, is to, is to really hoard his assets, not move them along. Mm-hmm. How does that um... – Okay, so we know Colorado, they need to make some changes. They're just horrible this year, and we know Joe Sackick is looking to shop guys and change his roster and has to. But I'm interested, Ray, like, how does Matt Duchesne, like, how does it become available? Like, it's sort of known now that he's available, right? Um, does, is that all, like, inside hockey circles, these NHL insider guys, that, hey, we're not doing Landeskog, we're doing, we're going to trade Matt Duchesne? Like, how does that happen? Like in well, so, so I, yeah. it happens because guys talk to teams. They don't like the insiders probably talk to Colorado. Mm-hmm. You know, talk to guys in the management, whether yeah. it's Sackick or somebody else, Craig right. Billington or somebody else uh-huh. in, the, in the management. But they also talk to other teams too. And like, say they're talking to Peoria because I don't want to use an NHL team just so people think that there's something there. But say they're talking to Peoria and the general manager says, and they ask the general manager, what are you hearing out of Colorado? Yeah. And he'll say, well, yeah, nothing on, on Landis Gog, but uh, Duchesne's up. So that's you know, how Duchesne's in Right, right. And so they, you know, those guys, they're, they're constantly on the phone and they're constantly trying to piece the puzzle together. And it might come down to it, and you, you have no intention to move Landis Gog, and then you get a great offer. And if you're in Colorado, how could you say, I'm not listening to anything? Right. Yeah. Like, just listen to any of it, and maybe it makes sense to you. Maybe it doesn't, but maybe it does. And if it doesn't make sense now, maybe it'll make more sense in the summer. Is there somebody else I'm missing that you think is going to be a trade deadline guy? So we talked on Iggy and Bishop and Chad and Kirk. Uh, Matt Murray's got a lot of the starts in, in Pittsburgh, although I, I don't see them moving flurry. Well, I, they look pretty sad. It, it depends. I mean, again, if if they if they move Flurry, they need a backup goalie. Mm-hmm. You know, so they and somebody that they they can rely on in case Murray gets hurt, because Pittsburgh wouldn't want to leave themselves naked as a Stanley Cup champ or Stanley Cup champion and a contender. Mm-hmm. You would never want to leave yourself with that thin an edge, right? You want to have yep. your backup has to be able to to do a job for you. But if they get an offer for Flurry, or if they can put together a deal for Flurry that maybe nets them a really good defenseman, then maybe they look at it. Right? So I I don't, I would say Flurry's cautiously in play. I would say Detroit's probably got a couple of guys that will be, will be interested or I'll be interested to see Thomas Vanek has had a really good year yep. for them. Mike Green's got 10 goals. Yep. Would teams be interested in those guys, for for example? Yeah, I think the streak is over. I think I think it's over in Detroit. Yeah, I I, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's funny now people are jumping on the wagon about, oh, you know, they should have let the streak die years ago, a couple of years ago. But the problem they had is, they were still too good to let it all go. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't be last with Cronwell, Cronwell and Datsu and, and Zetterberg, yeah, Zetterberg yeah, yeah, and a healthy yeah. friends, and you can't yeah. be last because right. they're too good. <laughs> exactly. You know, so yeah. they got they, – they were kind of stuck right in the middle. Well, that and, goes okay. – go And now that's where they are. You know, here's a, here's a guy I'll say that maybe might not be – on the tip of anyone's tongue, but if Vancouver decides to move some people, which in my opinion they should, right. the guy I would be targeting is Yannick Hansen. Yep. He's, he could really be a difference maker for a team. He's an excellent penalty killer. He's fast. He plays hard. He's on an affordable contract for next year, and they're going to run into a, a bit of a protection problem, uh, but I would be, I would be really interested um, in him. I don't know how much you track Nashville, but Mike Ribeiro got sent down. And yeah. I and I think, okay, he hasn't been playing well. It was a surprise to me this late in the season he cleared waivers. Now he has a checkered pass that he's admitted to and, and, and all that. He was a feel-good story. 
uh, two years ago when he joined the team, or maybe that was last year. Uh, two uh, years, I think. Two years ago. But I'm surprised a, a big, skilled guy cleared waivers at this late in the that someone didn't say, hey, let's try to hook this guy up. What's going on there? Well, I, I would say the biggest problem is, you know, his age mm-hmm. to, you know, to, to start with. Um, he doesn't move real well. You know, the, you know, getting around the ice is, yep. um, is an issue for him. The, um, the, the way he's used, uh, no player in the NHL got sheltered more than, um, than he did. Oh, like know, offensive I think starts. almost fifty yeah. percent of his starts were in the offensive zone. Right. You know, so you, you've got a player that you know you remember it in a way that is different, perhaps than than how he is now. Yep. Yep. And so, I mean, he can still pass the puck. He's got twenty-one assists in forty-six games, but he's a power play guy, and he still makes three point five million now. Maybe at the deadline, like mm-hmm. right at the deadline when you've whittled away three more weeks of cash, yep. maybe somebody would be interested. But I, I wasn't surprised, Steve, that he, uh, oh, okay. that he cleared waivers. I mean, when I say he's a pass-first guy, I just looked it up here. He's got 38 shots in 46 games. Wow, really? He's got four yeah. goals in 46 <laughs> games. He's, he's not going to score yeah. for you. You know, he's a, he's a guy that can work the power play, and he's done it for a long time and done it done it really well. Mm-hmm. But he's you know um defensively he's not he's not a uh, right. he's, he's not, not a, real stout. Not a selfie uh, winner. He doesn't skate well. He's yeah. he's kind of gone in and out a little bit. Right. Um well, he had 43 assists last year. Maybe somebody will right yeah. at the deadline, but I wasn't surprised he cleared. Right. Um all right, hey, a couple news worthy items off the ice. Um your New York Islanders. We had Arthur Staple on a couple shows ago. Uh, the Barclays Center has told the Islanders beat it, uh, 2018-19 season, and we all we talked about that with Arthur a little bit. Nobody's really happy with that arrangement. Uh, bad bad ice. Uh, the arena's not happy. The Islanders aren't happy, and all that. So they look like they're on the move uh, somewhere now. The Connecticut governor invited them to come to Hartford, which is uh, your old stomping grounds again. Um, the arena, I guess, has been redone with new suites and everything like that up, up there. And uh, also in the off-ice news, the uh, Arizona Coyotes, their deal with ASU to move in closer to uh, into the city of uh, – away from Glendale and closer into the city of Phoenix, that's fallen apart. Who moves first, Ray? <laughs> the Islanders well, I, or the Ar- – I would say that – I would say that, you know, the, the stuff up in Connecticut is they, – they've got – they don't have an NHL rink. Um, it, it, it it seems unlikely. Um, you know, I haven't been, you know, in the Connecticut area for a long time. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was a time when they had most of the nation's insurance business. Yep. And that's not the case anymore. So the, um, um, the economy is a concern. In, in Connecticut to be able to afford that. I don't, I don't think the Bruins would take too kindly to, you know, the whalers back in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's, that's just, to that's me is smoke. beyond the yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. That's just like a, whatever smoke or something. You know. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a, it's a, a story about a, a community that lost their team that didn't want to lose it. And they've always wanted one back. I just, I just don't think that, that that's, Unfortunately, I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, they could go back to Nassau. There's some talk about you can add 2,000 seats to the renovation going on at the old Nassau Coliseum, which what if would, that ever happened. What would that bring it to? Do you know? Uh, in the 15,000 oh, Okay, range, so Winnipeg size, yeah. Yeah, but if it happened, it, makes, it would make me want to smash my head into the wall <laughs> because – why couldn't that have been sure. attempted before? Right. Why couldn't they have renovated the Coliseum and stayed where they are? If that's where the end game is, that's just crazy, crazy that it would end up back there. Um, so, I, but I think that's possible. I, to if they want to go build a new rink, okay. First of all, somebody's got to put up four or five hundred million dollars yep. because you need the land plus the building. Secondly, that's three years. 
Yep. What do they do? They've then? only got one year at Barclays left. Yep. But, you know, you can't play in Central Park. <laughs> that would be sweet, though. But yeah, it would be great. <laughs> but you know, they so I don't know what they would do. So that that I don't even have my head around that. Right. Um, and then as far as Arizona, you know, apparently they were stunned that that ASU pulled out of the mm-hmm. out of that project. So I, you know, I had always assumed that they were full steam ahead there and. Um, it's like Groundhog Day know, with these guys. Oh, it is. You know what? There couldn't be. It would be hard for me to to find an NHL story I'm more weary about. <laughs> right. Right. I I think I'm with you on that. I just and then when you, when you add the Hurricanes and and you know they're trying to sell Peter Carmarnos is trying to sell there. You got three trouble spots that and Quebec City's sitting there. So I don't know. Well, again, just because they're. Kansas City's sitting there too. They got a beautiful arena. Yeah, but ownership and everything—I don't know. Well, well I guess yeah. You yeah, just, but I mean, you've got to you've got to factor in a seventy-five cent Canadian dollar. Yep. You know, like it's yep. it, it's a um, there's lots of things that seem to be a good idea, and then you 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 dig right in a little deeper, and you're like, ooh, maybe it can't quite work. Yeah, should be interesting. You too. know, and so and so, I'm not saying Quebec can't. Yeah, but. Man, it's uh, well. They would have to go in the it, West it, it's, too. It's, uh, you know? it's it's conflicted for sure. They'd have to go in the West, I would think, wouldn't you? I mean, wouldn't if that ever happened? Well, yeah, sure, I mean, in theory. But right now, I think the answer would be it should go where it's best. Yeah, like yeah. whomever you know, like yeah, if yeah. they've got a trouble spot, then right. they got to. Then they've got to deal with the trouble spot, and if that means moving a team in the east to a team in the east, well, then that's the way it goes. I think one thing we can we can believe on it. Gary Bettman talked in his press conference at the All Star game. Just don't listen to what he says. You know, he says, "Oh, he's, oh, you know, he's, you know. Not, he's not telling you anything anyway." No, no, I believe he said the Thrashers were fine ten days before they announced the move to uh, to Winnipeg. So, um, yeah, don't don't go on that. Um, my Toronto Maple Leafs slumping a little bit, Ray, and. Um, Austin Matthews had a decent game against Boston, uh, three assists. They got a late goal to win, but he's been kind of cold. Um, maybe a little bit of he's hitting the wall. Marner's been good. Freddie Anderson hasn't been good, and here's where the backup situation for the Leafs is maybe coming to haunt them back, the early season backup issues they had. Um, just a normal stuff, right? Kids are hitting the wall. I mean, Elana got a hat trick, and that's awesome. But Well, I, I don't know if you know hitting the wall is, you know, I, it, hitting the wall doesn't mean okay. for a few games. Hitting the wall means you just go face first into it, and and you're just out of gas for a month. Mm-hmm. And you know Matthews had gone, I think, uh, what like one goal in eight games or something, or you know something, mm-hmm. something that was starting to be um, a little bit of a concern. And then he throws three assists on the board and looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't I don't necessarily worry about him right now mm-hmm. and. And here's the thing, Steve. If you get, if you have a thirty goal year, and you have five games that are two goal games, which yeah. is probably about right. If you're a thirty goal guy, right, that means you're going to score in twenty five games for the season, and in fifty seven games you're not going to score. So a bunch of those games are going to pile up at certain times. You're going to go five, six, seven games without a goal. It just happens. And then when you get two in a row, it goes in the bank. And yet at the end of the year, if somebody has 30 goals, we say it's a great year. We don't go back and yeah. look, oh, yeah, uh-huh. but he went 13 games without a goal in November yeah. or hit a little, you know. So yeah. I, I, don't, I don't tend to look at it in such small sample sizes. The one that concerns me the most is the one you mentioned last, and that's Frederick Anderson. Mm-hmm. You know, since the All-Star break, he's given up 13 goals. He's... Uh, stops. He's only stopped 83 percent of the shots, and that's kind of like at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. And remember, at the start of the year, how bad they were. Yeah, you know, it was terrible. And so I, I do believe they're going to need Curtis McElhaney here, and that's why they weren't comfortable going forward with what they had. Mm-hmm. They went out and acquired him, and um, you know the thought was when they picked him up that he would have to start 10 or 12 games, and you know the, those games are coming up. He's played well. In his two games, I think he lost one of them and uh, won the other one. Yep, but yep. played excellent. Yep, yep. Play- that was in the Ottawa game. He was he was outstanding. Mm-hmm. But he's he's going to have to play, and yep. you know Riley's not healthy, 
Um, you know, he tweaked his ankle a couple of times in the game in Boston. He was on for at least three goals against. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna, it's going to be a wild ride for them. Um, you know, I don't, I don't picture them all of a sudden being this conservative, consistent team. Yeah. And, you know, with young players and a defense, it's a little bit iffy, although I do like Alexi Marchenko. I think he's a – they picked him up on waivers. I think he'll be a, a yeah. nice addition for them. You know, he's not a world beater, but he's a – What is he – I think he's a real solid NHL player. Yeah, tell me what he does well or what he, what kind of player well, is good he. Good size, good penalty killer. He moves the puck decently. Um, so he's like a better Roman Polak? Uh, yeah, I mean, not as menacing. <laughs> Right. Perhaps, um, but I, I, I think he will. He'll end up playing with Jake Gardner before long. I found it funny that Frankie Corrado, everyone, what's going on? What's going on? He clears waivers, so twenty nine other teams were like, "Yeah, no, we're good." Yeah, but it, see, it's it's funny. This becomes about you know we're we're you know people almost pick sides on this. Yeah, hell, he's just a twenty three year old kid that wants to play, and he was put in a spot that was impossible for him. I don't know why after the way that they played him last year, that they even signed him. <laughs> right. Yeah. And they signed him to a one way contract. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, That's so right. I, I don't, I don't quite understand that. Now, Frankie's in the American league. And um, so for people that don't know, he'll actually make more money in the American league than he will in the NHL. He'll be living in the same apartment yep. in Toronto yep. because the, the farm team's in Toronto. He doesn't have to pay 15% escrow because he's in the American League. So by getting sent down on a one-way contract, he gets a 15% raise. And he can still see all his buddies. When and he gets work. to play. Yeah. <laughs> Here, here's the other thing. He gets to play. Yeah. So don't look for Frankie Corrado to be back anytime soon. You know, I, I don't think he's a Well, f- no, they got eight defensemen. Yeah. So, so they need a, there'll be an injury or two, and then maybe yeah. it would be his turn again. But yeah. I don't, I don't, you know. I mean, uh, the best thing that could happen for Frankie is that he gets an opportunity to go somewhere else. But yeah. in the meantime, he's got to play and play well. He's got to reestablish himself as a prospect. Um, moving on from that, uh, the Edmonton Oilers—they started strong. They wavered. They faltered. We all thought, "Oh no, it's the same old Oilers," but. They've regrouped the last month or so, uh, put in a nice stretch of games recently. And I think, Ray, it is safe to say the Edmonton Oilers have turned the corner. They are going to be a playoff team. Well, I think they're a playoff team. I mean, they've, they've put enough points in the bank. I think yep. that's the case. Now, you talk about a team with a backup goalie issue. Cam Talbot's faced more shots than anybody else in the league, over 1,400 shots yep. um, this year. He started 49 games. They have one win I believe, from their backup goalies. Maybe two. That was the monster. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, so they got two. Because Brossois, Laurent Brossois won a game as well. Okay. So they got two. Boston's got one. Yeah. And Tuka Rask looks like he's, you know, out of air. Yeah. You know, I mean, poor guy's got to play all the time. It's just, uh, it's just not conducive to success. Talbot's been brilliant. Uh, McDavid is amazing. Leon Dreisaitl has had an outstanding year. And um, I, I would say that has been as, as, as cool a breakthrough mm-hmm. for the Oilers to, seal, yep. to see. And, um, uh, you know, they had, they had lost three straight. They go into Montreal, and I guess it was – I didn't watch, but, I didn't, yeah. you know, it was just a snoozer. But they won in a shootout, one nothing, And um, so they get, a, they get two points. They kind of stem the bleeding a bit. But I, I'm with you. I, th- I think they're a playoff team. This is where you – you were getting in a Twitter back and forth with somebody, and then you eventually led to you saying, "I'm off my mentions." Yeah, I'm, not, I'm. I'm tired of people being jackasses. I mean, if they, if seriously, I mean, it's this is the thing. Twitter is not. It's my Twitter account. It's not a public account. If some guy wants to be a jackass and write to me, you're a an effing idiot. Right. Well, I could, I could ignore it, which probably is the mature thing. But after a while, you get 15 of them. It starts to bug yeah. It bugs me. Yeah, block them. And I'm like, you know what? There's too much crap. There's too much venom. Yeah. I, I enjoy the back and forth. I really do. I like a lot of the fans. They say, they say goofy things. They say fun things. They're mm-hmm. passionate about their teams. I really like that stuff. I really do. And I love Twitter for that. Yeah. But the rest of it, I'm like, 
what do I want to read this crap for? I, so I, yeah. shut off my mentions, yep. and I, I see the stuff that people that follow me. Oh, you did the Gord like. Miller. So you did the Gord Miller. We talked about it last yeah, week. Yeah, but see, there's a difference to this. Okay. Is I can turn them on and go back and, and check any time I want. So I could do that if I want. Yeah. Now, I haven't done it this weekend. Mm-hmm. It's been kind of nice. <laughs> I uh, I got almost forty thousand on my other account, the motocross one, and if anybody drops uh, an insult of any kind, they just get blocked. It's, that's it. I have no policy, no limit for that. That's my policy. Because here's the thing, Steve. Yeah. I wouldn't walk up to you as a stranger or a guy that I saw on TV right. or listened to on the radio, and and berate you. Yeah, no. You because mean, there's a common courtesy. But because they can write it on Twitter, they think it's okay. I don't. And I'm and I'm done with it. I was like, I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm done with it. And so, I, you know, maybe I'll turn them back on in a month. Yeah. Maybe I won't. <laughs> I was going through your mentions when you did that. And I find it, like, look, okay, you're, you don't ever proclaim, like, I know everything about hockey and I am the. Never. You've never said that. You don't act like that. But you have certainly have 18 years in NHL, TSN color commentator for many, many years, NBC Sports. Like, you certainly know the game very, very well. And you've been in – not only that, but you played the game. Um, Joe from, uh, 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 you know, Windsor seems to think that you're so off on some of your calls or whoever it is. I'm just made up a name. But yeah. I'm just like, why would you come at this expert, this NHL expert – like you can have a different opinion, cool, no problem. But why would you come at this guy with like that he's totally wrong, that he's an idiot when well, you, Mister Tweeter, you don't play the game, you don't you don't call the game, you don't know these people, you don't know anything about the game. Well, here, let me give you a, let me give you the example I think fits. Right. I drive a car. Yeah. If I have a problem with my engine, I don't take it to a garage and tell the guy how to fix it. Yeah. I take it to the service department and go, hey, look, I don't know what's going on. Can you check this out? Yeah. And I trust his expertise. I don't mind people disagreeing with my opinion. But when they get pissed off, that right. eventually I have to say, hey, look, I've been around the NHL now for since 1984. Since December of 1984, I've been either as a player or a broadcaster in the NHL. That does matter. Yes, I, it does mean yes, that my experience <laughs> trumps your high school hockey experience. And again, I still respect the back and forth. Yeah. Until they become venomous, and now and then, I told Gord last week, and I'm like, I think I'm about done with this. <laughs> you know, like I, I just I'm I'm about done with the, as I put it, with the venom. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know what, I got other things to do. So. I don't understand these people. I'll, I'll get back on at some right, point, right. and you know, and um, but now you don't. But and then I'll probably go back off it again. But now you don't follow my my main account, um, so now I can't. You won't see my mentions to you on my main account. I have to go. I to follow Paul Hockey though. Yeah, I know. I have to go to Paul Hockey if I have any smart yeah. comments to say about Wendell or anything else. But but see, here's the thing: is you know, like you say, I don't follow. I don't know who follows me. I got no idea. Right, right. I don't. I I have no idea who I follow right. anymore. You know, you start. You're like, oh, that was a cool article. Right. I'll follow that guy. Right, right. Yeah. But yep. it's not like I got a book right. at home and I write down who my followers are. <laughs> I know I could go into my settings and read. Yeah. Who I follow. It's it's a bizarre world where people read what you have to say, read an opinion, and just lash out at you when they, like you said, it'd be like the you, you tell the mechanic being like, yeah, I think it's your brakes, and you're like, no, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not my brakes. It's my transmission. It's my transmission. Like, you're just like, what? Well, and then the, <laughs> and then the mechanic would say, well, I think it's this. Go somewhere else. Right. So that's essentially what you're Which saying. Which is basically what I've said. <laughs> right, right. Go somewhere else. Yes. If I'm such an idiot, yeah. like, here's the thing that I, I do, I can never get my head around. Some guy says, you know, um, you're a lousy analyst, you're, you're a crappy player, you know, whatever else you want to add, <laughs> right. and they follow me. Yeah, yeah. Why are you following me if I'm so bad at what I do? Yeah. Why yeah. follow? Yeah. Beat it. Yeah. Scram. Yeah. And it's not like like you're not breaking news, you're not an insider like Dragger or McKenzie. Nope. So, you know, it's really just your opinions on there and, and, and other stuff. Like, so people, 
if they follow you, they must like your work. Otherwise, why bother? Yeah, like. Go follow someone else that you prefer to follow. Yeah, I'm with you, man. It's bad. I mean, I only have 40,000, but I get it, too, for, in terms of supercross and motocross people. I just, I just can't believe it. Um, yeah, you're. All right. Yeah, it, Let's, it is what it is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, to wrap us up, Paul Pocky podcast with the great Ray Ferraro, uh, just a crappy analyst, crappy player. <laughs> just, yes. <laughs> just everything, everything bad about uh, Ray. Um, random NHL or time. Now, this isn't really a random NHLer, but you've got to have experience or two. You've lined against this guy in face-offs. You might have got an elbow to the head. Mark Messier. Yeah, I mean, I was not. Um, I was never very comfortable <laughs> play, playing against him. I mean, he was so was he big as, and menacing. Was, okay, was he as mean and, as they say? Uh, when he wanted to be. Yeah. I mean, you know, like when I was there, you know, I'm playing for Hartford. Uh-huh. There's no... There's no animosity. There's no rivals. Animosity <laughs> between Hartford and Edmonton. We'd go in like I've, I've given this example to people before. We'd yeah. go in there. We'd be down three nothing. They would fall asleep. We'd get a couple of goals. It would be three two. We think we're in the game. Then they'd wake up and it make it six two. We'd get a couple more. Make it six four. They'd score in the empty net. We'd lose seven four. Wouldn't look bad. We weren't within a stone's throw the whole game. <laughs> there was never any point where you were going to come back, right? No, and they yeah. and they knew it, and you know probably we knew it. Yeah, yeah. But the place I didn't like Messier the most was it was in the draw because if you beat him on a draw mm-hmm. and you turn around, he'd just cross check you in the back. Like you turn around <laughs> to see where the puck goes, <laughs> and he'd just cross check, <laughs> and it hurts. And yeah. I remember thinking, well, then just win the draw. Yeah. But I think sometimes Mess would do that, um, like lose the draw yeah. and, and give cr- it to the guy. Right. Just to send the message. Yeah. Now I played with them with the Rangers, and um, you know this was after they won the cup, so this was in mm-hmm. uh, ninety five, ninety six, when I was there for like forty five or fifty games, yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. And um, I saw him score uh, a hat trick. The third one being his five hundredth goal. I mean that was really cool. Mm-hmm. I saw the way that um, we started the season off with a couple of losses. And interestingly enough, you know, panic was starting to set in. We had a game the next night on Long Island. And so we bust after the game. And, you know, it would have been a time, I thought, that he would have said something after the game, but he mm-hmm. didn't. Mm-hmm. And we got into the, uh, we got to the hotel, we got in the elevator, we're going up. And he got out and uh, all he said, was, you know, it was like six or eight guys, I yep. guess. And yep. he got out and said, uh, be ready to play tomorrow, and just walked away. That's all he said. Yeah. So the next night, we shut out the Islanders for nothing. And after the game, you know, guys are hooting and hollering. I mean, yeah. it's our first win of the yeah. year. And Mark basically gave a speech of see what happens when you prepare, but more importantly, see what happens when you're not ready to play, when you're focused on something else other than the game. Like, I thought it was really really interesting that um you know for a guy that's been considered one of the best leaders in our sport mm-hmm. how he went about leading it wasn't yep. yelling when everybody thought it was time to yell yeah it was waiting till the guys felt a little better about themselves he let us dig ourselves out of a little bit of a hole mm-hmm. and then and then he put the foot down and i was like wow that was really cool yeah Interesting. Yeah, interesting, right? You 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 think of him as a a yeller, a screamer, smashing chairs or whatever, every, you know, just trying to freak out on 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 his team. Now, I also yeah. think he had a lot to do with me getting traded to LA. So Oh, really? Well, yeah, because the guys that came back were all Oilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mick Sorley and Curry right, and right, right. Well, Shane Churla. Yeah. And so, you know, I I I've, I always joke, you know, I I loved playing with them because it, it was a great experience for me to watch and learn, but mm-hmm. He also did trade me. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So that's the way it goes. <laughs> like, so yeah, you do. Yeah, you think like Sather and him are like, hey, and he's like, listen, we need well, to get. It was Neil Smith? Oh, was it Neil? Okay, all right. So yeah, and, and the reason I'm pretty sure Neil wasn't so comfortable with it was he never called me to tell me I was traded. Wow, jeez. Colin Campbell was the coach, yeah. and Coley called me. Yeah, told me I got traded. Oh. and and so. At some point, a day or two later, you think Neil would call, and, yep. but he never did. Call, no, never so. did. <laughs> I'm waiting to officially be traded. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, no doubt. I just I, there's the YouTube clips of, of Messi's greatest uh, highlights, quote unquote, and uh, and it was all elbows and sticks and, and God, this is more Oiler days than, than Ranger days. But 
Man, oh, well, could he be? Yeah, he was vicious back he could then. Cross you know what, line. though? The first time I ever saw him look not like a, the meanest, baddest guy on the ice was when they played the Flyers and Lindros was oh, just yep. at his heyday. Yep. And I was like, oh, my God, Lindros looks huge against him. Yeah. Like, that was the first time. Right. What was he... What was he best at? Like, was he a great skater? Did he have a great? Sh- I don't remember him being a great skater. But of course oh, he was. Of course, skater. Powerful. Okay. All right, so there. Powerful so, skater. Right. Um, never saw a guy go through more pair of skates in a year than him. Okay. Um, they, there was literally another equipment bag with extra skates for him. Mm-hmm. And if he fell down on the ice, guys would be yelling to the equipment guy, "Get ready! You got to move the blade." So he would re-rivet his skate between periods. Really. Oh yeah, he was so finicky. Wow. About yeah, yeah. Uh, and then about his skates, and then his wrist shot from the right wing over to the far side. Yeah. You know, I I actually I remember saying this to him on the, his 500th goal was was that type of shot, mm-hmm. and and I said to him after the game like, do these goalies not see a highlight tape? <laughs> like, where do they think you're shooting that? <laughs> right. And he laughed. Right. I mean, it's like you'd seen 200 of them. Yeah. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. To the opposite side. <laughs> um, clockwork. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, interesting. Well, cool stories. Yeah, I, I was, I, when I say great skater, I just I was thinking more fast. You know what I mean? But you're right. There's a difference. Oh, he was fast too. I mean, he yeah, wasn't okay. Paul Coffey fast, right, right, but right. man, he was. Yeah. He was a very, very good skater. Well, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool stories. Um, all right, Ray. Thanks, man. Another ep- uh, great episode, paulpocky.com. Subscribe on iTunes. Get it on Stitcher, paulpocky.com. Ray Ferraro, 18 years in the NHL. Doesn't know anything, though, apparently, to some people on Twitter. No, I know nothing. <laughs> Have fun digging yourself out of the snow, Ray, and uh, we will see you next week, man. You betcha, Steve. Thanks. Have a good one. All right. See you. Bye.